Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, learning not to obsess over iTunes rankings. The more prohibition there is, the poorer the people will be. Another great lady from history, this one with many horses. A delicate discussion about Muslims. Isabella's dream messages. A history on fire dual discussion. And with winter approaching, what do we say to the god of death? Not today. And now... Asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows Podcast, begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 86 of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Back for another fantastic Daniele and Rich episode. And uh, there he is across the table once again, Daniele Bonelli. Hello. Hello, hello. Quick thank you to the nice folks who have been supporting us all along. You know, one of the things that I dig about these guys, Onnit, O-N-N-I-T.com, Datsusara, Sure Design, none of them give a fuck about the bottom line. None of them are holding, you know, calculating how much money are we bringing to them, how much they are, how much they are helping us. There's none of that. You know, which sponsor does that? Sponsors usually want, being rational human beings and being in business, they want something. They want, hey, As we've you, learned the hard way. You bring this <laughs> and we want something else, legitimately. And yeah. in many cases, even what you bring is like, you start arguing over the cents and dimes kind of things. These guys have just been supporting us no matter what. You know, times when we brought them people, great. Times when we haven't, great. This does not mean do not support her because they support us anyway. But that means these are great, sweet people who really have been, have had our back all along. So please check them out because if you're going to spend your money somewhere, you might as well spend it with people who have awesome human beings and who seem to dig the same show you're listening to. Well, the awesome flip side of that is that we like all the stuff that they have, too. Yeah, and spare. that doesn't hurt we've either. We've never pushed anything we hadn't at least tried and checked yeah. out. No, we use their products all the time. So these are, again, this is kind of the dream sponsorship. Well, the dream sponsorship would have, you know, a few zeros attached to it at the end, but we can bitch about stuff like that because it's like, objectively, we don't bring them something that any rational person would give us. They already give us too much. Well, I'm going to reap some fine rewards here shortly because a certain female I know will be getting her Joe Rogan slash Daniele Bolelli utility belt very shortly fanny pack if and she's interested in shoplifting i can show her the in and out of how to use such things <laughs> i'm sure <laughs> death to whole foods yeah poor whole Foods. well yeah you know what i read about whole foods that was pretty funny they had a thing where they got busted for uh, the peeled oranges no i didn't see that one. Oh, oh yeah no no God. i saw that no no i'm talking about busted for illegal stuff where oh. they would uh, um, almost all of their chicken i forget which 
I forget which brand, but something of their chicken that they would have, you would say one weight and you pay that weight, and then when you actually weigh, it is a lot less. And well, so you they see were there's steaming a water on. content that uh, evaporates in the packaging. Yeah, 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 yeah right. It's purely an accident. Oh, by the way, this is clearly alleged so that Whole Foods doesn't sue us. I'm allegedly. Uh, fairly sure that's what happened. But well, that's not allegedly. They had peeled oranges inside of plastic containers on their shelves for those folks. And they went, This their claim was, for those that would have a difficult time peeling an orange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But apparently the fucking plastic was harder to get into. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's hilarious. Be. That's, yeah. yeah. This is going too far. That natural wrapper on the orange has really been yeah. needing to be updated. For of some course. Time. No, that's wild. <laughs> that's, but yeah, more than they doing that, um, I want to see the faces of the people who buy it because that's what troubles me. But okay, enough bitching. <laughs> Let's just jump into the show. to raise your hands to the sky and praise the fact that you're going to get straightened out on all this wacky Bible stuff that's been spewed your way over the years because Father Bellelli once again is going to teach us the intricacies of the good book. I wish I could today. Or rather, you know, we're going to play with it. It was just Easter. We could talk about zombies. Yeah, there's that. That's always nice. But no, the passage that I'm fascinated with today it's so weird that good luck finding anybody who gives you a good explanation. It's golden hemorrhoid time. I knew it was going to come eventually. Here we go. Hemorrhoid yet. Up. Not oh, yet. Damn. We shall. But this goes from Exodus 4.24. That makes me want to go. 25. Exodus. That, that one, of course. There's good old. Unfortunately, good old Bob Marley is not part of this tale, which is sad because he should be part of every good tale. <laughs> but here we got the... Um, well, I'll quote, because it's really a tiny passage, but the, sto- the, the question it raises are way more than the actual number of letters used to describe this story. Wow. Here it goes. And it came to pass, by the way, in the inn, that the Lord met him, and we're talking about Moses, and decided to kill him. And Zipporah, who was Moses' wife, took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son Woo. and threw it at his feet presumably Moses' feet, and said, Surely a bloody husband you are to me. End of story. Done. That's all that the Bible has to say about it. So let's try to this go back again. This is as confusing as when Tony finally went and strangled Christopher. <laughs> yeah, it's not all that clear what's going on, right? I mean, at Who least... Who got the, the dick cut off? The son the, of Moses? The strangling of Christopher, at least everybody's been wishing he for that for a long son. time. Yeah. Yes. I got no spleen, Gene. But this one, on the other hand, it's... So here we got Moses and family happily taking, you know, stopping at the inn somewhere. God just happens to hang out there. They, he, met, he meets them at the inn and decided that, you know, that guy, the Ten Commandment guy, saved Jews out of Egypt, my prophet, I think I'm just going to kill him. 
Why? Well, there are, again, many question marks because they don't tell us. Right? Probably because he disobeyed that thou shalt not kill rule. That's what you think. But, you know, considering that over and over God is like, kill, all, kill them all, I don't think he's bothered oh, with that part. I'm getting more confused by the moment. Here we got, so God is about to kill Moses. Moses' wife, Zipporah, cuts the foreskin of one of, one of her two kids and throws it at their feet and says, surely a bloody husband you are to me. The interpretation, the standard interpretation, which again, good luck finding one here, is that God was a little upset with the fact that Moses had not stuck to the custom of on the eighth day after birth circumcised the, the son. He hadn't done it. And so God decided, what? You didn't do that? Okay, I'm killing you now. What if we go with God as the father of the child? That I like that part of this. That would be add a whole interesting. And also, yeah, through it at his feet. Whose feet? Are we talking Moses? Are we talking God? It's amazing. Well, you know, Jesus, virgin birth, yeah. technically. But I think, you know. But no, apparently the fact that she throws us some bloody foreskin at Moses' feet, suddenly God decided, ah, it's all good then. Now we're set. What the hell? I, I don't even have no cracks for that. That's just crazy. Yeah, that is just weird beyond belief i mean again somebody was drinking when they did the translation that's all it can be yeah that there's that possibility there's again the possibility that uh, there's probably some rusty broken scroll somewhere in the desert that makes perfect sense right where they took three lines i could really use a foreskin today here god thank you now that raises some interesting discussion about the possibility that moses wife not being jewish herself she would have been like you want to do what to our son cut what's up are you fucking insane moses no hell no we're not doing that but god decided hey i can't you know just because you're a wimp and you give in to your wife about this you know i can't have that so i'm killing you now so that and eventually she's like okay fine take the damn foreskin here you go just grab it and be done <sighs> what about little ezekiel laying there on the floor just screaming yeah i'm sure you know yeah circumcision with no uh anesthetics i'm sure that feels real good but he's never gonna come around mom ever again <laughs> she have a knife cooking dinner he'd be the whole other side of the house just no what could possibly be next yeah. that's one of the things that i know people get so worked up on this issue that are you know, on both sides of the equation. People get really upset about the whole circumcision thing. Either if you don't do it, you're a freak. If you do it, you're a barbarian, all of it. <laughs> I tend to stick more to the why the hell would you? You know, it's like just teach a fucking boy how to clean up. It's not that hard. Pull for skin back, wash, 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 done. It's not that bad of a deal. Not nearly as complicated as our lady friends have to deal with. Yeah, the whole idea that instead you need to pull the foreskin forward, let's chop it up, and that somehow seems, I don't know, doesn't, I'm not a big fan. But in US it's huge, isn't it? Oh, like yeah. The overwhelming majority of people are circumcised. It was over before I had anything to say about it. <laughs> That's like a fucked up way to come into the world. Welcome. Like... What? <laughs> what? No, it's I'm a... sorry. I cried and shit and breathed. What, what's the list? Just let me know. I want to do any more of my dick removed, please. That's <laughs> just so wrong. I don't know. I don't it's get funny. It. You know, we scream and yell about the insanity, and it is insanity of the female genital yeah. mutilation in Africa. Yeah. 
the same motherfucking thing. Yeah, that that whole idea, I just don't get it. I don't you get know? that either. It's, and granted, you know, the overwhelming majority of kids will have no problem, will be fine. They don't. Have, it's all good. And so, but still, it's one of those things that is like, why would you? You know, it's like I don't really need earlobes either. But why the fuck do I need to? Let's Quiet. just chop uh, them you off. Might start some shit. Right. The, you know, there's a lot of people that seem to be already volunteering that. These dudes with the semi-tire right. size gauges. Yeah. There yeah, ain't going to yeah. be much earlobe left in a few years. Yeah, let's chop earlobes. So let's make a new tradition out of it. All right. Should, save I mean, the pork. Save the foreskin. Whack the earlobe. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> There's your Bible lesson for the day. If anybody's got that figured out, please let us know. <laughs> It's rant time. Now, I got a quick one for you because I'm all about the Game of Thrones. No doubt. This fucking Supreme Court thing is making me boil. Oh, before we get into Game of Thrones. Yes. Okay, so. 65 million people voted oh. for Barack Obama for his second. Yeah, but I mean, Now, is it because uh, he's a black man, he only gets three-fifths uh, of a term? It's a political game. He's I like, know it is, know, but it's... who the fuck do these guys think they are? And, and I think his choice was brilliant. Somebody that had already been completely... Passed by the Senate. I don't know. I mean, my thing was, on one end, it's clear what he's doing. He's trying to show Republicans for being the political hacks that they are on this. He's picking somebody who is the most moderate guy in the world, who is borderline Republican himself as a candidate. So his thing is like, try to say no to this guy. But then there's the other problem. What if they tell you yes instead? And you get stuck with some guy that slips back over exactly, to the right. Exactly. I know, it's a dangerous, and dangerous sport. It sounds like uh, Abraham Lincoln, let me pick Johnson as my vice president, because show how open-minded I am. And yeah. then when you actually do get your mind blown by a bullet, that guy became president, and he's the exact opposite of what you wanted. I don't know, I'm kind of bugged with the whole... Uh, like, the whole one of the things that has bothered me about Obama has been his... Um, being so damn center right on a lot of issues, trying like to reach across the, the well, but it doesn't work, or, and you figured no. it probably in the first six months, and so and so in that sense, to me, it's not even a compromise. Maybe it's just that's how he is. Maybe that's just the kind of stuff he supports. Yeah, like the guy that he's pushing for Supreme Court is just a guy who's like a corporate shield in a lot of ways. He's not a particularly present person that I would want. No, we and, want somebody that's progressive and is going to help the agenda. Yeah, and I don't that know. That guy ain't it. But so. I just the blocking of it just makes me sick. Yeah, but then again, it became the, the political climate in the U.S. is so polarized that to find anybody in one party support, if somebody in another party say there's the sun outside, that's not the like, sun. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's just nature of the business. Oh, damn! We're talking politics. The police is coming to get us. I see a sign. That'll end the, the show early tonight. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Oh, don't take us whack whack. <laughs> Okay, Game, Game of Thrones. Of Thrones tonight, because <clears throat> winter is coming. This episode will be hitting about four days before the new season. Well, I'm late to the party, as usual, so about a year late, because I don't watch Game of Thrones when it happens. But the DVD I will watch be out, it. so you'll be up to Yeah, date. I did watch season five. Okay. But again, I'm, you know, months late, because I'll I enjoy... i my house. Yeah, I don't like watching shows where I watch one episode and then wait a week. It just pisses me off. Oh, I want to have... Sure. 
I want to watch a whole season in two to three days. That's my gig. And uh, then you get into it and it's really... So I wait and then just binge at the end when they're all out. Did you see the second season of Fargo? No, I did not. I didn't see even see the first season. They're both Fargo. great. Are they? Yeah, the <coughs> second one. You don't even need to know anything about the first one. They're totally separate stories. I shall, I shall check out. Because season five of Game of Thrones. I'm going to be blasphemous here, but I, had... I did not dig it. I tried. I mean, one of the things that I've done, which is what we're going to partially rant about, is that Game of Thrones is written so damn well that I've loved taking... I literally pose episodes to just take down some lines because they're just pure epic in those lines. I started, my computer is ready, my typing fingers are ready, and I go through episode after episode after episode with zero epic lines. There were troubles. I mean, the whole Sand Snakes thing just didn't really land well. The whole Arya story, I could give a shit less about. And it just... Yeah, I don't know, man. It's like, well, on that note, before I instead slide into a bitch, because, you know, the thing I never like about Game of Thrones was the monstrous nihilistic vibe. This just, there's no good, there's no bad, everything sucks. Uh, good, bad, it all goes to shit anyway. It's, there's, you know, I'm not a big fan of that. But I did appreciate the epic, the characters, the lines, the screenwriting. Season 5, I found it lacking. But in any case, I'll stop bitching and instead, let's go on some glory moments. Here are some of my very favorite quotes from the first four and a half season of Game of Thrones, I guess. We got season 1, episode 1. There is no word in Dothraki for thank you. That clears it up right there. Good old Ty- uh, Tyrion Lannister always says some of the best ones. Yep. Everything is better with some wine in the belly. That's always good. <laughs> One of my favorite by Arya Stark. Somebody tells her, little ladies shouldn't play with swords. Her replies, I wasn't playing and I don't want to be a lady. That's badass. Uh, Tyrion, we have, I have a tender spot in my heart for cripples, bastards and broken things, which I dig. A heavy one from season one. I can't even remember what she looked like. I only know she was the one thing I ever wanted. Someone took her away from me, and seven kingdoms couldn't fill the hole she left behind. Heavy, heavy, heavy. I was like the uh, he who passes the sentence must swing the sword. Oh yeah, that's and there's a lot of swinging of the sword in Game of Thrones. That's for sure. What do we say to the god of death? Not today. Not today. Oh. I oh. think that guy is one of the uh, faceless people. I think we'll see him again. Very likely. Could be. Oh, I like your theory. I dig it. Let's see. This is Tyrion, one of my favorite. Even though I would treasure your friendship, I'm mainly interested in your facility with murder. <laughs> is that what he said to Bronn earlier? Yeah, exactly. That's one of my favorite oh, characters, too. And this is the best line of season one. How do you like to die, Tyrion, son of Tywin? In my own bed, at the age of 80, with a belly full of wine and a girl's mouth around my cock. (laughs) That's a good one. Tyrion again. What's the best way to go? Shot to death at 82 by a 27-year-old jealous husband. Yeah, that's that's about the way you want to do it, right? Why not? uh, I'm sorry. Bang. There was, I think we mentioned him on the show before because he's an old-time hero, some millionaire from, I think it was, I think it was German, I can't remember. 
millionaire dude who put an ad saying, you know, I'm really old, I have all this fortune, I have no hairs, and uh, I'm gonna, basically the message was, I'm gonna leave it to whoever gives me the greatest time out here. And so, needless to say, there was a line at the door of women who just wanted to just do him to death, literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. just like... That's pretty funny. Is that the, how it went down? The guy's a genius. I don't know how it finally panned out, but the guy's a genius. I thought I found it amazing that in our in our uh, history of guys uh, with their uh, going to die by coke and hookers, one of the people that won the three the billion dollar lottery already dead. Oh yeah, yeah, From, coke and hookers. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, well, again, it's considered he a bit sloppy. He could have extended that a little. Yeah, bit. exactly. But hey, I get Probably it. Probably the best coke he'd ever had in his life. Yeah, and uh, this ain't cut for no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, more Game of Thrones. Let's get a few more. Right? I won't go through all five seasons because that's too much. Maybe we'll do for a second installment, but let me get you a couple more. Excellent. Okay. Here we have in season two a guest. Talk, there's some guy who's uh, serving them dinner and spills the wine, and the guest goes, I could have gotten you a proper lad. And Tyrion says, Myself, I prefer the improper ones. Which is a great line. Or it's this same thing, this guy's all mad about Tyrion questioning his honor. And his reply is like, I'm not questioning it. I'm denying its existence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Pretty sure this is... I'm uh, getting excited now. There's going to be a good there'll be a good line this season. There, I feel confident. No, and even in season five, there were some, just a lot less. This, I think, is Arya from season two. Uh, somebody tell her, you shouldn't insult people who are bigger than you. Her reply is, then I wouldn't get to insult anyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and of course, this is a, as good as it gets. This we need to make a t-shirt out of it. He's a pirate giving this speech. He says, I've been all over the world, my boy. And everywhere I go, people tell me about the true gods. They all think they found the right one. The one true god is what's between a woman's legs. Hard to argue with that. Not any argument coming from this side of the table. And speaking of theology in Game of Thrones, Tyron. The Lord of Light wants his enemies burned. The drowned god wants them drowned. Why are all the gods such a vicious cunts? Where is the god of tits and wine? <laughs> <laughs> and we'll wrap with two more from season two. Those are brave men knocking on our door. Let's go kill them. Which is great. And one of the greatest lines ever. Uh, the end of season 2, episode 10. We have... Uh, this is in a vision where there's... Cal um, Drogo coming back in a vision and addressing uh, the Khaleesi saying... Moon of my life. Um, maybe I refuse to enter the night lands without you. Maybe I told the great stallion to go fuck himself and came back here to wait for you. She giggles and goes, that sounds like something you would do. And he goes on. Or maybe it is a dream. Your dream, my dream. I do not know. These are questions for wise men with skinny arms. You are the moon of my life. That is all I know and all I need to know. And if, and if this is a dream, I will kill the man who tries to wake me. That's like the most romantic thing I've ever heard. My idea of romance comes from Game of Thrones, so yes, that's where it's at. Well, it's funny it was in the Hamilton letter when he when he, when he told his wife the best of wives, of best of women. Yeah, that was pretty smooth. Yeah, no, he had these moments. Don't get me wrong, Even but for a foolish move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 
but oh god yeah I've always liked it. one thing that bothered me season one is um Cal gives it to Khaleesi pretty hard at the very beginning and in the book he was very gentle with it yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, think that yeah. was a mistake I don't know why they felt the reason for him to I don't know I don't know I, that's a way in I which I guess they're the trying to give him or her away to yeah, control more power for her or something but no I, I dug it away that's a rare case in which I think the books were actually high. I mean, I really like the way, what they have done with the show in oh, terms no, no. of That's the screen. That's the tiniest little the, complaint. And but I agree with you. I agree with you on that one. I it think just wasn't necessary. Uh, completely unnecessary. Because Dogo again, was such a great character, he didn't have to half-rape his new wife. And I'm not saying he was raping her. I guess he was just yeah, taking no, her. But away. I mean, the, I agree with you. The way they play... Occasionally, one of the big negatives of Game of Thrones is just they overdo some stuff. I mean, I... I I like stuff that's overdone, but that's too much even for me. Yeah. Where it's just like, come on, do I really need to see the little girl that they make you grow attached to get burned to that by your father? I could do without that, you know? It's like, and again, you do once per season, maybe. You do one per episode, it gets old after a while. Woo, I'm a winner! That's my, that's my cue to go put some money in the meter. It's... Time to wrap things up. All right, folks. Winter is coming, and it's like a week away. For an update for the, from the stepdaughter of Crom herself. Indeed. I had a I had a, a week long visit, seven whole days. Emily came back from San Francisco. How was it's it? The longest she had been home in three weeks. No. Yeah. It was fantastic. In three years. In three oh yeah. 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 As long as we been home in three years. <laughs> she hadn't been home in three weeks. Wow. Whole three weeks. Three whole weeks. Yeah. So she's almost done to be a senior in How old's her daughter now? She's almost twenty one. Check that out. Taking care of business. So the first time ever that she's going to touch alcohol coming up. Because clearly that would have never happened up until now. We got her drunk on absinthe on Christmas just to have fun. <laughs> I'd rather her, you know, sample. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. On home team. Yeah, I'm of sure course. she hasn't had a drop. No, never. Clearly, because nobody, you know, that's how it works. If you just make something illegal, then nobody does it. It's Absolutely. just that simple. If it's illegal, I definitely don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's just how... it's illegal. It's, it's basic psychology. You know, people obey rules. So if you pass a rule, then it, everybody's going to stick to it. And that's how it's going to be. That's so, why everything works so well. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad we had we this discussion. We've got mountains of rules. And they work perfectly, every one of them. Perfect. Yeah, what is it that Dao De Ching, the more prohibitions there are, the poorer the people will be? That's how it is. That That's makes perfect sense. Too many rules, screw things up. Well, it, it looks like Obama's getting ready to be serious about the whole opioid heroin problem. Yeah? I think we'll see heroin legalized. Really? Well, you know what? I'd much rather know. some cat be able to go to the corner oh, pharmacy no, no. I'm and for, get all he wants uh, sure, I'm and old. not steal my fucking TV. No, I'm all for legalized uh, drugs. You know, regulate in a way that you don't fuck things I up, think it's on a scale people can't even believe. I've heard 25% of Montana is high on oxycodone. Wow. And then they can't afford the pills. Yeah, of course. And then go so to heroin. So heroin is yeah. cheaper, but yeah. now you're getting who knows what. Yeah, of course. Yuck. 
yucky stuff. Very yucky much. stuff. I've never understood those pills, man. They're just no. like, I don't just knock you silly. No, no oxy is bad. I had a friend of mine. Sad life, I guess. It's easier just to bury yourself in the cloud. Well, and also if you add the major physical crap, sometimes it like I've had uh, a friend who had major problems. They put him on oxy when uh, in the hospital. He was in the hospital for months. Like pain reasons. Yeah, pain reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, of course, you get hooked, Mm -hmm. and then he eventually quit cold turkey, which is in itself a little sketchy, very dangerous. Yeah. And I didn't know that that was going on. And I was talking to him. And for like a week to two week period, he was like a scene out of Rain Man where just the guy just made no sense. Like we would have an hour conversation. And by the end, I was like, I did not understand one word that came out of your mouth. Sometimes I prefer pistachio. Yeah, Um, it it was so random. And he was in pure Rain Man fashion with like scribble notes everywhere on the, all around the house. It was just his brain uh, reaching out, trying to find one last scrap of that molecule floating around in him. Yeah, I was thinking, okay, he's gone, right? And then two weeks later, he was mostly fine. He was like back to a more human level and then progressively better after that. I was like, oh, okay, that was that. And in the end, was he glad to be out of it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're trapped. Yeah. No, the process is nasty. It's not fun. Well, I'm sure it's either Eli Lilly or Squibb or one of those fine pharmaceutical companies providing that to the American people yeah. and pushing <laughs> it. You can see ads from the 80s, like the presentations that you give to doctors, barely, barely addictive. Only the very few. It got, uh, it recently was... Only those with heartbeats have been found to be addicted. It it got legalized for uh, kids. You know, now they can prescribe it to kids, which is like... Really, you cannot find anything else on earth that can work as a painkiller for kids. I know some. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I mean, seriously, if you're going to go that route, there's a lot safer stuff out there. I'd give him a, uh, a shot of whiskey before you do something this insane. No, that's bad. Yeah. Anyway, on a happier note. On a happier note, this is a weird one. So I used it. I did mention it. It came up in conversation. I think it was the last time uh, I was on uh, Joe Rogan Experience. We're chatting about it, and I'll tell you the story, and then we go into the if and how and what happens and so on. But basically, I got an email from a friend from Canada who was telling me that he had attended this uh, Lakota ceremony, the UEP ceremony, and he had mentioned Isabella in his prayers and stuff. And then he told me, look, I get the feeling that Isabella is sensitive to energy, so ask her if she had any dreams having anything to do with Indians last night. And I figure, you know, the odds are, what the hell are the odds? Considering Isabella doesn't remember her dreams nine nights out of ten and never really mentioned a single dream about American Indians over the six years of her life, the odds that the night before something like that happens are basically less than zero. But I figure, you know, okay, sure, why not? Let's try. Let's ask. So I ask her, I say, did you remember any dream from last night? And she was like, no, nothing. And I figure, pfft. Exactly as I said, right? She's like, forget it. She goes, no, wait, I had a great dream. I dreamed that my nonno, which is her grandpa, took me to meet some Indians, and I learned how to speak Lakota, and your friend James, um, James Weddell was Yankton Lakota, came back to life. And then she turns around and runs around and does her stuff. And I was like, holy shit, let's try this again. How in the 
how do I even begin to finish a sentence? I don't even know what question to ask here. It's so like, he had the ceremony two days prior, one day no, prior? No, he had the night, the night before. That night? He had that ceremony. The wow. next morning he told me, hey, ask her about last night if she had any dreams about this stuff. And again, never a dream about American Indians. Most of the time doesn't remember dreams. I had a dream that she remember about American Indians. And you're just like, oh, come on. Again, if we need yet one more reminder that the universe is a weird place. Now, this got interesting afterwards because one thing that Joe brought up was, uh, hey, wait, if Samaris hears this, he would have an explanation for, uh, oh, it's all a coincidence. Uh, it's nothing. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, I don't know what Sam Harris argues about this stuff. I mean, I've read some of Sam Harris books. I actually enjoy them. But about this specific aspect, the whole alta scientific explanation for everything. I don't know. I haven't read that part of his. So I just going off what Joe was saying, I say, well, if this is what Sam argues, this is bullshit. And for multiple reasons. And I think that in a way I find that, I think my line of thinking was something along the lines of, I find it just as desperate. And uh, it, to me, it's the same thing as a religious fundamentalist that cannot accept the fact that you don't have all the information and, the, at the end of the day, the answer is we don't know. And so you desperately try to find a, a solution to the mystery. A religious fundamentalist will do it with its God's will. The hardcore scientific materialist would be like, oh, it's all these mathematical probabilities. It's quantum and, uh, influx yeah, yeah, it's created like, by the previous connection with the fellow. <laughs> right. Sound exactly like that. And to me, both of those guys are just insecure and need... Uh, badly this uh, an explanation even when the evidence does not support an explanation they can't just believe it now apparently sam argues that he does not say these things he got like enough people tweeted about it that sam harris tweeted back saying that's not what i state or something along those lines that he was pretty pissed off and i was like hey i did say it's you would joe said it's you <laughs> you know i don't know it's but, uh, and of course, from there on, it was like a zillion people went like, oh man, uh, Sam, you should go on uh, Drunken Taoist, da, da 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 But I think Sam probably took a look. So it's less than 100,000 people, less than 200, whatever many I have. So fuck off. I'm not doing that. Because, uh, you know, I, I did mention a couple of things out there. A bunch of people threw that out there, but it was... If he knew how much wine we sold. Yeah, right in that case, he would be right on board. <laughs> no, it would, be, it would be fun. I mean, again, I don't definitely don't agree with everything he says, but there's a lot of good stuff. There, there's a lot of good stuff in his books. I enjoy... That, that would be a fun conversation, but I don't think we're on his radar yet. If you need a Sam Harris primer, go... Uh... Check out Dan Carlin interviewed him, or more of a co-interview. Oh yeah, that was an interesting one. It's pretty good. They they step on each other's toes a whole bunch. But that was funny because Sam is very quick to just go on the offense, and yeah. with Dan he was in awe. He had this, no, but really, Dan, you think like he was so much more accommodating than usual. Yeah. Because Dan is the man, as usual. Good old Dan Carlin. Can we have a can we have a, a man for the special pling music for Dan Carlin? Don't worry. Every time when the name is mentioned, the angelic voices come down. Okay, I'm glad now. Good old Dan. Yes. Do it again. The um, 
but yeah so that would be interesting hopefully at some point in the future maybe it's gonna happen to actually have a conversation with sam harris on this i had a speaking of former guests and possibilities i heard a conversation between sam harris and uh, jank yuger who we had on the drunken taoist and it was one of the most frustrating things in the world oh i can only imagine you didn't see that one no. it's like each one make excellent points right jank speaks makes an excellent point sam speaks he makes an excellent point and neither one is remotely interested in listening to what the other person is saying <laughs> so it's not an issue they are not really contradicting each other that much it's kind of like oh this is right but also take this into account and that would solve all the problems and instead they go at it for like 45 minutes in this like death battle where they are going back and forth like and i'm like dude both of the things you're saying are perfectly true and they can go together. I'm missing the point of why you guys are arguing about this, you know, because it's not, it's pretty funny. There's got to be something there. Sometimes the arguing, they just argue because we're not supposed to get along. So right, right, right. There's the, it was weird though. Cause the Congress it, effect. Both of them made great points. There was no, but in any case, okay, I'll shut up. I'll leave it with this, with this one glorious Isabella moment reminding us that the universe is a very mysterious place. And we shall leave it at that. I have a dream today. And now we cross the Ethereum plane for a visit into Bellelli's dream time. Dream time! Dream. Dream, dream, dream. I had a dream I was supposed to remember, but I forgot it over the weeks. It was crazy. That's what there are. The gods of dreamings require that you pay a toll every time you wake up. And unless you pay it, then those dreams got taken right back. You gotta write them down quick. Yep. And um, yeah, there are. Uh, the problem is that you don't know what the toll is half of the time. Otherwise, like, hey, I'll pay it. Just let me know. But, um, well, speaking of. What do you think? The... Do you think there's actually something else going on? I mean, the, the song will tell you row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Indeed. Are we just in the dreamland now? And that's the trick? And the good shit's going on while we're asleep? Well, I mean, that's the, what's so weird. That when you look at... There are so many... Like, is there a recurring joke that you hear about people say, oh, we live in a simulation theory. We yeah. live in the Matrix, really. And sometimes you look at things that are like, come on, this is the Matrix. Like, I don't know if you saw... Um, what's the Republican candidate? Ted Cruz? Yeah. Did you see, like, he had a whole speech that was taken straight from a movie? where he went oh. against Donald Trump and he was line by line things that he got. And it's like, this is like those reminders that is like, the universe is just having fun with you. Come on, this well, is a it's joke. It's like, how do you not realize? I mean, this is the point where don't college kids get their, their, their papers put in and matched for yeah, matching yeah, on yeah. the internet? It's... Like, someone's not going to check out this guy's speech? No, I know, it's funny. But I really think like half of it is just, you got to have you more about it because there's just, so much of the stuff I read every day is just like you cannot make this up and people believe it if it was fiction there's no question about it just as the craziest shit you think you see in a book or in a movie real life will shred that oh yeah every time yep yep yep. you wouldn't dare write that script because everybody said that is complete bullshit and that could never happen and sure enough it does happen in real life precisely anyway I love that sort of notion because from reports from my wife, there's a lot of action going on. 
I talk and flip and everything all night long. She, that's what's going on. We call it building the submarine because something is going on. And it's a big project. Giving directions, letting Everything. people know. Oh, yeah. I, wow. I'd yell out in the night, freeze, motherfucker. I told somebody. <laughs> she jumped up. Ah! I enjoy what I see. I see it when, like, I saw it with Isabel. I see it when, like, in the middle of the night, somebody just cracks up and they start laughing and they never wake up. And yeah. just, it's glorious. But, no, the dream tonight had, um, had to do... You know, I was saying, oh, you have to honor the gods of dreaming to make sure you remember your dreams. Speaking of honoring the gods, I had this dream about the great god of podcasters, which is the iTunes algorithm. And rather than, you know, (laughs) exactly, it's like this flying spaghetti monster blob thing that, you know, if you, you have to do all the proper things and honor it and, you know, the algorithm is fed. It was kind of like an Aztec god in a way that you have to do these nasty sacrifices so that eventually the iTunes algorithm god will grant you his favor and rank you higher in the rankings. See, I'm not willing to, I'm not willing to admit that Joe Rogan is completely wrong about the moon landings. So right, I'm never going to get there. Yeah, there, well... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the iTunes algorithm want, of course, the blood, sweat, and tears of podcasters. That's just the start. That's just the That's raw material easy, to go that. But then also it feeds on the reviews, on numbers of downloads. on And, you know, you need to make sure you gather up all your reviews, you gather up all your downloads, and along with your sprinkle some blood, sweat, and tears, and then offer this plate in the, to the god of iTunes algorithm. And the blob will just go blah, 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 and decide they like it, and then you'll see your ranking go pop, 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 <laughs> and it climbs up, and suddenly you're in the top 10. And the, otherwise, the iTunes algorithm god will take a leak of your food and go, ha, that's it. What is this crap? Forget it. And you're thrown to the miserable end of uh, pod, the podcasting world. I knew there was something up. So that's under the file. Do not obsess about podcast rankings. It's no. not healthy. And otherwise, your iTunes algorithm god will be stalking you during the night. Don't want to be stalked. No. Just uh, happy to be a member. Yeah. Story time, everybody, brought to you by your friends at Sure Design T-shirts that let us all know that happy nipples make a happy planet. All right, story time. A real quick pre-story time. No doubt. And this may even have to be a segment, but um, for those of you who have listened to the History of the Fire duel, Alexander Hamilton was surely suicidal. That's the feeling I got. You would never use the pistol that either your son was killed by or was in his hand when he died to do a duel. Yeah, what kind of sick motherfucker does that? For those of you guys who haven't listened to History on Fire, well, first and foremost, just feel very ashamed about yourself. There's that. Just feel horror. You know, if there is any justice in the universe and you have actually watched Game of Thrones, you should be subjected to Cersei Walk of Shame for shame. not having, yeah, for not having seen, uh, checked out History on Fire. Mm. But basically the story, you know, one of the most famous duels in U.S. history where two of the top political figures of their day... One was the vice president. One was the sitting vice president at the time, and the other guy being the first secretary of the treasury, being George Washington's right-hand man. You know, here we have on one end Alexander Hamilton, who was Washington's guy, and Aaron Burr was the vice president. They have this duel 
in the beginning of the, what was it, 1804, 1805, I forgot, somewhere around there, they um, meet and Alexander Hamilton walks up to the duel and he requires that the pistols to be used are the same pistols that his own son had used in a duel shortly before, got killed in this duel. The location of the duel is the same. The pistols they decide to use is the same. I mean, I understand not being superstitious, but there's something sick there going on. It's like, and why? And Aaron Burr had to be like, well, sure. Yeah, I know. It's like, okay, well. If you want them lucky pistols, just yeah. pop them out, buddy. They I mean, there's no matter anything you can do. Even if he won the duel, yeah. if Hamilton won the duel, those pistols are still forever cursed. Yeah, exactly. You know whether they're half better from horribly cursed to just kind of cursed? No, that there's something really That's wrong. That's the craziest decision I think I've ever heard. Yeah. Do those places do those do those dueling grounds still stand or is it all covered in condos? Oh, you know now? that's a good question. I, I would love know. to find out. These are my extra questions from listening to the show. Yeah, if y'all haven't checked it out, you have to because I'm not totally sure. I think no, I didn't. I just checked. Iceman is still my complete favorite, but this is number two. Just really close second. Huh? Iceman is so great just because it's such an incredible mystery and the endless string of that guy could have disintegrated so many times. Yep. Oh, yeah. Just, no, I mean, it's, yeah, the, Iceman is... The fact uh, that after 5,000 years, he still managed to get um, properly dissected. Yeah, no, it's a wild one, definitely. And they can figure out the contents of what he ate as his last meal 5,300 years yeah, ago. Or, 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 Some or, or, of the or, things. The pollen in his lungs could yeah. tell what time of year it was. <laughs> which plants were. It was amazing. Um, the other interesting thing was uh, Andrew Jackson walking around with a bullet in him for the rest of his oh, life. Oh, yeah. Andrew he didn't Jackson, mess around either. Before being president, got into several duels, and in one of them, his opponents shot him, breaking his ribs. And, you know, Jackson, the way they, do, they would duel was taking a sideways stance so you don't get hit square in the chest. So, still got hit, broke his, uh, his opponents broke Jackson's ribs. And Jackson still managed, despite a bullet in him and broken ribs, to lift up his gun and shoot the other the opponent dead. And this line was something along the lines of like, even had he shot me in the head, I would have still managed to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So yeah, there's that. And uh, it's just crazy that um, I, I love the line in there where you talk about all these animal species have these crazy male show-offs. Yep. Of, and it really is what these guys were doing. It yeah. was just an insane... Yeah, because a lot of times the duels were not deadly. They would step up. Well, they wouldn't even shoot, but like maybe 20% of the time, right? You yeah, would... yeah. They would step up, kind of look at each other, show, hey, I'm a man. I'm ready to die for my beliefs. And it's like, I'm a man too. I'm ready to die for my beliefs. Okay, let's go home and have breakfast. You know, it's like, <laughs> that, now that we established that, we're done, you know. And the fact that they Our... didn't tell anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The idea of a... Mrs. Hamilton. <laughs> oh, yeah. They don't tell their family. So all of a sudden, you're like, oh, by the way, you know, your husband was involved in a duel. Oh, and in case we forgot, he's dead. So bye. And His letter was pretty great, too. Yeah, yeah. He had, um, I don't know. I have a really hard, I guess I'm not schooled enough to have heard this story a million times before because I didn't grow up in the U.S. And well, so you wouldn't hear it here either, except just barely. I think maybe twice in 12 years they even make a mention of it. But I guess the way he's usually portrayed, they portrayed Aaron Burr as the villain of the story and uh, glorious Alexander Hamilton as the poor good guy. Everything I've researched make him look like a bit of an asshole. You know, Hamilton does not come across as a particularly pleasant human being. 
he is pretty damn full of himself. Yeah, and I have no skin in the game. I have no attachment to either one. So for me, it's kind of like I call it as I see it. But yeah, it was a eh, weird kind of ugly story right there. And good old Aaron Burr, was he a political opportunist? Yes. Did he like all his mistresses and stuff? Yes, but that's a plus in my book. It's He seemed like he was out for power. He liked that. But other than that, he was probably a more jovial fellow to hang around and extremely gloomy and very pessimistic Alexander Hamilton with this very nasty outlook of human life in general of people. He was asking for it on that day. Yeah, but yeah, the whole story is weird. But yeah, let's do that. Anytime when you check out History on Fire, you have questions, by all means, bring them up and we should chat on the show. It's a great show, everybody. Check it out. If you have a question, if it's good enough, I will measure it and maybe even mention it as well because there's a lot of great questions that come out of that show. Oh, no, it's trippy. And yeah, at some point it's funny. Like when I re- I have to cut the research off at some point because it's like, dude, I cannot spend my life researching this one topic. So after you've read 15 books on it, you're like, okay, I'm done. I, I, can, I can see the rabbit hole in which Dan Carling will probably fall because he's feel like... I've read 15. What about the other 30 books I haven't read? Yes. You always feel that need to research more. That one hasn't been uh, uh, translated from French yet. Yeah. But for the sake of remaining sane, it's good at one point to cut it and be done. No, it makes for great stories. And and, uh, I'm excited about the next one, too. How about that statue that will never be finished? Oh, yeah. We have Mr. Crazy Horse coming up. That's a hell of a biography. I'm guessing three episodes. We'll see. It's long. I have 40 pages of single space notes Jesus. on bullet point 10 to, uh, on, yeah, on font. Uh, it's pretty crazy. It's going to be, well, let's play with somebody today. Yeah. A sorry much about that. quicker, simpler story, but I dig it. We have yet again, a lady will be the main character in our story. And I think I enjoy that because so much of history is this just you know, man, 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 more man, more. It's like this very male-dominated uh, nar- narrative that you get. So I like to dig out strong, intense female characters. To uh, there's a great. It's either Twitter feed or, or, or a website. Bad bitches through history. <laughs> That's great. And I haven't a, seen that. A one. lot of our ladies are, are definitely on that list. Oh yeah, there's. In fact, many of the websites that they all talk about the same ones after a while because there are some of those iconic characters. There's one that was great called the RejectedPrincesses.com. Oh. They have it. Uh, they have quite a few that are <clears throat> deal with these ladies. So the one that we play with today, her name is Kutulun. Uh, out of Mongolia, lived in the late 1200s into the very beginning of the 1300s. Kutulun was the great, great granddaughter of Genghis Khan. So we're talking four generations later. I thought everybody was. Yeah, half of Asia probably, right? (laughs) But uh, this is, have you ever seen the show, Netflix show Marco Polo? No, I saw the terrible um, one which in was? the 70s. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> wasn't bad. I enjoyed it. I mean, they also did the prequel right now called Hundred Eyes. That's, there's the story of this blind Taoist monk that's pretty badass. It's all like martial art flick. Does he go from village to village to exact revenge and then be on his way? Not quite, oh. but uh, still, no, it was awesome. I dug it. And uh, Marco Polo series is pretty good. I like it. And she's actually a character in that story. There's one of the characters is very much... It's not just based on, it's her. It's actually her story. They show... Uh, it, that's how we know about her a lot, is through Marco Polo's writing about what he says about this lady. And story goes that she was... Uh, 
she grew up in a tribe of brothers. I forget how many kids uh, her father and mother had, but they had, I think he was like 14 sons, something like that, 13 sons, 14 sons. And out of all of this gigantic tribe of siblings, <laughs> she was the best one at archery, the best wrestler. The, she was, you know, take tomboy, multiply to the 10th millionth power and you get this lady. Because she grew up in this very manly, tough environment, you know, Mongols out conquering the world where the main virtues are riding horses, shooting the bow and wrestling. That's what it's all about. That incidental is what Mongolian Olympics, the, the three sports of the whole, like when they have their games, their athletic games is horse riding, archery, and wrestling. And That's strangely enough, curling. Yeah, that one, right? No. They still to this day, still to this day, Mongolia has uh, these events regularly where they have. Um... That's cool that things like that still exist. Like, yep. you ever see like the caber tossing that they do in those insane. Yeah, you have like these Mongolian ladies who. Um, women as well, uh, not just the men. The ladies will just ride. Uh, galloping on a horse and at the same time duck under the neck of the horse to shoot with bow and arrow and eat bullseye in a target with wow. a, it looked like circus trick kind of stuff just insane level of skill saddleless are they just holding with their legs uh, you know what i don't know what mongols do if they did the saddles or not um, still that's amazing yeah yeah natives definitely not you had the same kind of thing going on with no saddles mongols i think they used it but i may be wrong not not sure on that the, um, so good old Cthulhun was really the you ever grow up reading those comic books like the Red Sonia comic books or something like that did you ever see those I'm familiar with yeah, Red the title but no. the tag is awesome she devil with the sword nice needless to say Isabella loves it and uh, got into it a lot but Cthulhun is like the real life Red Sonia except she wasn't Red and she wasn't Sonia but other than that there, the story is very much <laughs> It's 50. You get this, uh, one of the things, like much in the Red Sonia story, that she's uh, not going to have any man who cannot defeat her in battle, the, which seemed a total suicidal thing to me. If you are a particularly good fighter, is why would you do that to yourself? But in any case, Cotalone has a similar thing where her thing was like, unless a man can out-wrestle her, she's not going to marry. And eventually, like long enough, like her whole thing was like, okay, you can wrestle me. If you beat me, I'll marry you. And if not, you owe me a hundred horses. And the uh, story goes that she ended up with some 10,000 horses in her <laughs> possession because she was just a hell of they a wrestler. They got to feed the damn things. What was I thinking? Yeah, but at some point she decided, you know, even her parents are like, okay, we got it. You're a great wrestler, but can you please let somebody beat you so you could actually get married and we can get on with it? Because... So that's apparently how it plays out, where eventually at some point she's like, ah, you know, is the, the her accepting to lose to somebody came after multiple occasions her parents begged her. There was one dude who said, I'm not just gonna bet a hundred horses, I'm gonna bet a thousand horses. And her parents are like, Please lose to this guy. He's a decent guy. You can marry him, it's gonna be good. And of course, she walks away a thousand horses, more adding them to the just the thought of the grain for that in a day. Yeah, so well, but again, they are Mongols. That's horses are where it's at, right? That's where the whole thing. In battle, too, she would like dart out of Mongol lines, capture somebody, and bring him back to her father as a prisoner of war. And just, yeah, her, the stories about her are pretty badass, that's for sure. 
eventually Genshi accepts to marry like okay fine I guess I can do that her dad um, was name was Kaidu by the way she he was planning to actually have her as the new Khan as uh, the head of uh, the community the leader what of the whole of that? group but apparently there were a lot of people particularly her brothers were quite pissed off about that they're like hey come on that's not gonna happen so she does not become the new Khan, but still renowned in Mongolian history as this badass lady was just one of the great warrior female figures of uh, all times. And, um, and that's the gig. So that's the story. If you guys haven't checked it out, Marco Polo is worth a watch. Not saying it's the greatest show ever, but it's interesting. And if nothing else, there's some interesting adaptation of Cotolon uh, to the screen. That's pretty badass. There you have it. Another story time and a long side note on History on Fire. Go check it out and send us your questions about episodes and perhaps you'll make it on to the air as well. Time to reach deep into the digital mailbag to see what sort of awesome questions and queries are hiding in there for us. What do we got today? Uh, we got one that's totally not designed to get me in trouble. It's like uh, very male. It's Islam. Ooh. How much of, you know, you hear the whole religion of peace thing. You read the whole uh, this is the most bloodthirsty thing ever thing. Where do I stand? Oh, happy. I stand over here away from your drawing of uh, Muhammad there. Right. Just, he actually has a bigger nose. If you... Yeah, this is going to be fun. Well, uh, as Facebook would say, it's complicated. There's no, it's not an easy thing, like any, any of them. I mean, if you look at the reality of it, is there an insane amount of kill the infidels type of stuff within the Quran? Yes, of course. Is there an insane amount of kill the infidels within the Bible? Yes, of course. One doesn't negate the other, okay? So it's like the way Christianity has been interpreted for the vast majority of the time has been around has been very much in line with this holy war idea. That's ever since the demiurge got a hold of it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's where it's at, right? All the Abrahamic religions share the same theology of holy war. There's no argument. I mean, if you look at the Old Testament, all the stuff that we went through in Bible talk about Moses, about this, that's where the theology of holy war in the West originate. Now, throughout much of Jewish history, they don't have the muscle actually to carry out, so it remains a theory. It will be up to Christianity and Islam to pick up that theory and turn it in reality with crusades and inquisitions and all sorts of stuff. The difference is, due to a whole bunch of complicated historical process that may be too hard to follow right now, Christianity has largely abandoned that. Now, that does not mean that they stop, that there are not plenty of Christians who still believe this super hardcore interpretation of it, and would be happy to bring back the good old days when we chop people's head off or believe in the wrong religion. But it's just less popular. Okay, I'm not saying it's theologically there's nothing there that makes uh, um, the Judeo-Christian tradition any less bloody than Islamic traditions. But in practice, it plays out that way. Now, one thing where there is a difference is that whereas you can make an argument for separation of church and state in Judeo-Christian tradition, since there are multiple Jesus passages about kind of emphasizing a spiritual message rather than a political one. 
in the history of Islam, good luck. Because right there, you know, with Mohammed becoming both the head of state as well as the head of the religion, you have, you know, the idea of church and state, or in this case, mosque and state being separate, just does not find a whole lot of uh, solid ground in Islamic theology. That's about it. Other than that, you know, in both traditions, you're going to find some very mellow, more peace-loving passages. And in the Quran, there are a bunch, you know, when people say, oh, there's all this peaceful stuff in the Quran. Absolutely. You know, there are a bunch of quotes that are there. But just like what happens with all the good holy books where they leave you, they give you all the possibilities. So if you wanted to turn it into a really nasty, bloodthirsty thing, you'll find the theological ammunition there. If you want to turn it into a turn the other cheek thing, you'll find it. So are the people who say, oh, there's all this peaceful stuff in Islam, right? Yes, absolutely. Are the people who say there's all this nasty, super bloodthirsty stuff, right? Yes, absolutely. They're both there. And what do you do with it since they are giving you basically mutually contradictory advice? It's just like the fundamentalists in their groups, both Christian and Muslim, wildly dangerous. Oh, yeah. They want to take it out and go blow up federal buildings. Yep. They're happy to do it. Yep, big time. What is the, if you know, like the first crusade, what initially was that European incursions or was it? Well, I mean, they kind of. It was all a fight for Jerusalem over and over and over again. Yeah, it's all a fight for Jerusalem over and over again. And again, you know, in the history of Islam, a lot of it has been about. I mean, when you look at it, both Christianity and Islam, they are by far the two most popular religions in the world. That did not happen because somebody was going to knock on people's door and say, hey, do you want to convert to this great idea? You know, if you do the math is, which one are the two most popular religions in the world? Oh, Christianity and Islam. Okay, which one are the two religions with the greatest amount of wars and conquest and bloodshed in their history? Oh, Christianity and Islam. Would have ever seen a connection there? I wonder what could be going on, you know. Most people in the world converted because somebody put a sword to their neck and said, you either convert or I'm chopping your head off. And people said, I'll be delighted to worship your God. It sounds like, what do I mean your God? I'm sorry, I meant the only God there is. I was just going to give you some alms right now. Yeah, it's how it is, right? So the whole game has been based on conquest. Now, having said the fact that theologically speaking, there's all this, uh, there's really not a whole lot of difference between the theology of uh, the Judeo-Christian tradition about holy war and the theology of Islam about holy war. The reality today is that whereas Judeo-Christian fundamentalists tend to be, on average, less a percentage of the total population of people practicing Judaism and Christianity, they tend to be a little more muzzled that's clearly not the case within Islam today. But Could it, that be because they haven't been taking incoming rocket fire for the past 20 years? Well, again, it, it's a game of numbers, right? That is purely a historically relative game, because if you went back a few hundred years, the numbers were not the same as they are today in the Judeo-Christian tradition. You would have the percentage of fundamentalist Christians who were just foaming at the mouth and not just wanting but actually carrying out all sort of bloodshed in the name of God what was it in the crusades is like uh, we'll forgive you of all your sins and send you straight to heaven if you go fight the infidels and kill them in the holy land I mean it's the same shit over and over again it's just that again today for a whole bunch of reasons that's just less of a popular option in Christianity. So there's a much greater number of Christians who are mellow human beings who don't view their religion through the prism of hardcore fundamentalism. 
are there people who do this in Islam? Of course, thousands upon thousands, but percentage-wise, there's still a hell of a lot more dangerous fundamentalists within Islam than there are dangerous fundamentalists in Christianity today. And that's where it's at. It's still very frustrating how little Christ makes it through the Christian message these days. Oh, of course. I if mean, they were to follow that, I think Jefferson had the Christian Bible. Yeah, yeah. But he's out dueling and fucking slaves and a whole bit too. But yeah, Jefferson was funny. It's like he took the whole Bible, edited it, cut out all the parts that he say, oh, that's crap, that makes no sense, took out all the miracles, all the supernatural stuff, and basically turned it into the philosophy of Jesus. I'm sure that was a popular move in the late 1700s, early 1800s. Yeah, I think he got any uh, <laughs> flack for that. Yeah, that's pretty wild. But yeah, I mean, that's one of the things. So to me, it's not that Islam is a unique monopoly on a theology of holy war. Far from it. If that was the case, it would have been easy in some way, the history of the world. It's not the case. Um, really, when you look at the Abrahamic traditions, the Judeo-Christian tradition is where it's at. I mean, so much of this, like in the history of Judaism, most Jewish people got kicked around forever, right? For 2,000 years, and next to no powers, and they get kicked around. But if you look, so in history, you don't find that much hardcore Jewish fundamentalism being able to carry out the degree of violence that has existed in the history of Christianity and Islam. But that's just a matter of power. It's not a matter of theology. Because the theology that exists in the Old Testament, that Christianity will inherit, is a theology of holy war, is a theology of kill the infidels and all of that kind of stuff. It's there every other passage. I mean, we had a field day in uh, Bible school thing where we, in our segment when we cover the Bible, dealing with all those passages about the brutality of the holy war theology. I distrust all of them. And of course, I distrust, if you want to add to the list, I don't just distrust them. I distrust fundamentalists are not even just all religious fundamentalists. Because if you look at the history of all totalitarian systems, they all do the same things. They have their idea of holy will be different in the sense that it may not be in the name of God, but it will be in the name of some higher ideal that's for the good of humanity. And so that's where like Soviet communism will come in. That's where Nazis. Yeah, they're all the same motherfuckers to me. It's like whether they justify it religiously or not, all totalitarians are the same at the end of the day. I don't really nitpick over the differences because they are not that substantial. I think it's kind of an interesting time where a lot of Christian people in the United States are finally realizing that this Republican Party that has never had any caring about them at all other than to get their votes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, if somebody wants a message of take care of each other and, and build, uh, a, build a stronger country for our children, Mr. Bernie Sanders would be happy to have you over. You're like your pal Bernie. Yeah, because exactly. yeah, I mean, when you look at the establishment in uh, both political parties in the U.S., it's, sad as, it's as sad as it gets. I mean, it's like Republicans are just to a point where it's a comic, it's like comedy, straight up comedy. It's, it's so far gone from the level of sanity that just straight up insanity. Yeah. And yeah, when you look at the Democratic establishment, it's not much better. just evil. No. It, I mean, I cannot, like Hillary Clinton just makes me well, throw yeah, up. And it's the just, damage that Bill Clinton did between NAFTA and all the insanity that he signed. No, it's. He, he was like walking it up. lockstep with, with all the business people that gave him his money to make it. Yeah, that's why it's like that entire game is so. <clears throat> totally sick, you know, very, very weird. But. In any case, so it's a, it's a weird game when it comes to Islam. Because, of course, you know, we cannot have this kind of theology being 
practiced by too many people because it's an obvious threat to the stability of everyone else who want to be left the fuck alone and doesn't get to because some crazy motherfucker want to blow them up unless you believe what they believe but um, at the same time how to go about it that's not always the easy thing because you know what do you do to address it well that's a tricky one in itself because uh, for one, you know, if there was an independent body that was actually neutral, that doesn't have its reputation screwed up, you know, if there was a United Nations, except not the real United Nations, because that is screwed up and it's no long, then, you know, if you have a whole bunch of countries in the world trying to deal with squashing the extremist violence, not that it's easy, because good luck doing it, because if you do it with planes and you drop bombs, you kill a bunch of people, now you just open a recruiting school for Islamic extremists. Yep. You can't really do it that way. What do you do it with special forces on the ground, literally hunting people? That, I don't know. You know, I don't know. And it, of course, you know, part of it is the extremism and the violence. Part of it is also ideological. How do you change mindset in large enough uh, groups of people so that the hardcore extremists don't have any support anymore? And you drop just, porn and whiskey all over the region. That's always a good answer. I tend to be a fan. Nobody's of tried that. it yet. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a fan. I think the women have to fix it. Yeah, it's hard though when you are squash and yeah, you're right. Super squash too. Next to none, and also when many women themselves are indoctrinated in it from birth and believe this stuff, so they are cool with how the game is played. But it just wasn't that long ago. I mean, I see the pictures of, like, Tehran in the 70s. Oh, yeah. It was, like, it was awesome. They were on their way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Tehran, yeah, it was a whole... Well, I don't know if it was also, like, politically it sucked. It was terrible on a lot of levels. But in terms of culture, yeah, it was so much more embracing of individual rights and freedom than it is today. Uh, then again, you had the Shah, who had the secret police and torture political opponents and all of that. So that's not quite... Luckily, the United States doesn't have anything like oh, that. Oh, no. And and it's also nothing to do with the Shah. No, being in... no, nothing at all. Well, on that optimistic moment, I say we are done with the digital mailbag. Zip. another fine episode the funky music means we've come to an end and the police sirens and my alarm going off and all those things means i gotta go pay the meter but thanks for joining us once again i mean we've really pushed them we've got political strife we've got muslim versus christian i mean there's really gonna be a lot of hate mail this week and i don't think anything to get mad about folks we're here to discuss things and put things out in the open we're not saying anybody can't practice anything, but we are 100% against assholes who think they can blow themselves up for whatever reason and ruin nice people's days. If so. I said anything that offends you, it's Rich Fault. Mm-hmm. He'd brainwash me. I'm actually, whatever you believe, I'm with you. It's just that Rich has brainwashed me, so please take it up with him. It's all that Father Bolelli Bible training has finally gotten to me. It's his fault. It's always his <laughs> fault. That's the standard answer to everything. I've been married 23 years. I already know that. <laughs> If you guys can do us a huge favor, if you do your shopping on Amazon through using our link, that would be very, very sweet because you don't spend an extra cent and it helps us a whole bunch. Uh, you find yourself in need of t-shirts with summer coming, well, summer, spring, I guess, but depending on which part of the world you're in, there's that. So you can check out our glorious Drunken Taoist t-shirts. Uh, Taoist lecture series, seven hour plus, right under 10 bucks. 
uh, are affiliates. If you guys find yourself in need of chocolate or audiobooks, check out the episode notes because between Coracao Chocolate and Audible.com, that's the way to go. And uh, thank you, of course, to Daisy House for the music. We This week we got no donations because we're recording back-to-back, so I'm sure there will be some people who have been sweet enough. You have my thanks right now, but you shall have your names mentioned in the next episode at the end of the month. There we go. Another fine one in the books. See you next time, folks. <laughs> And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dowds Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. Maybe I don't want to hear this. No, you don't. <laughs> in questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Eh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're out. Okay, sorry. So that's so. Let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me. Can you about, translate for me, please? I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work.